take a walk, ride, stroll, or just listen as you take hold and engage because you are now entering the Cerebral Podcast. Wordplay of the day. How can a situational scan help me in my daily life? Answer. A situational scan can help me with a can-do attitude. It can help give me a scan-do or s-can-do attitude. Thought of the day comes from author and talk show host, Dr. Phil McGraw. He said, it's a good practice to do a situational scan and have situational awareness when you are out in the world. Hello friends and welcome back to the Cerebral Podcast. For new listeners, the Cerebral Podcast is me talking about my crutches as disability devices and literary devices. I also offer up personal advice to help parents, kids, and anyone else who wants to learn about my interpretation of disability engagement. I was born with cerebral palsy. It is a movement disorder that moderately impacted my balance and coordination. I grew up in competitive schools where I was mainstreamed in the 1970s and 1980s. I was the only kid with a physical disability in school. I was also sometimes forced or coerced into difficult situations because of my limited options and understandings. As a result, I often used my cerebral against the palsy like an oxymoron. In other words, I used my brain to work through many of my physical, environmental, and even existential challenges. Reasonable accommodation and the ADA didn't become law until 1990, or broadly accessible to me until I was at Marist College in New York in 1991. Reasonable accommodation is an adjustment made to make fair the same system for an individual based on a proven need. As a result, I often used enriched environment examples to increase my own social-emotional learning. This is episode 71. Thank you for joining me today. Preface. For the month of September, I am talking about situational awareness and some characteristics that make different disability situations more difficult. I am also talking about the SLAM safety acronym and method that is used in difficult or hazardous situations. Some of the variables that make situations with disabilities more difficult include speed of things happening, the number of things happening, the abstraction or difficulty in understanding what is happening, and how different parts of the situation are interconnected or layered. 
in this week's Rite of Passage Experiences or Rope. I am talking about defensive walking and some dangerous falls that I have taken as a kid with crutches. I also talk about being stung by yellow jackets when I was in second grade. Be sure to listen for one or two things that you can take away from this episode. Now, let's both take hold and engage. According to Psychology Today, situational awareness is a way to identify, process, and comprehend critical elements of what is happening. Situational awareness is also more simply known as knowing what is going on around you or just being able to recognize when things are changing in the environment. Practicing emergency drills like fire drills or safety drills is an important way to be prepared. Some companies involved in the safety industry use the acronym SLAM. They use this acronym to be mindful of difficult or hazardous situations. Think about workers in the construction or engineering industries wearing hard hats. In the acronym SLAM, S stands for stop, L stands for look, A stands for analyze, and M stands for manage. But for people with developmental and other disabilities, they sometimes have issues with processing different variables like speed where there is something happening fast. Think about juggling or balancing new things. This is sometimes complicated by the number of things happening simultaneously. Abstractions or dangerous things that are misunderstood or not understood. Think about a new word that you've never seen before. When you hear the word ruminate, you may think about eating in a room, but ruminate means to think or ponder. If you want to hear more about ruminating, you can listen to episode 68. In school, my math teachers taught times tables to practice math, to make math less abstract and easier to grasp. You may or may not remember that 12 times 12 is 144, or that the square root of 144 is 12. Complexity or the interconnected dependencies of a situation is another important variable that makes situations more difficult for people with disabilities. Not seeing or recognizing a wet floor can be dangerous for slipping or falling. An example of the complexity for someone with cerebral palsy is the positioning of crutches and the balance and coordination needed. The positioning of the crutches or other mobility devices in relation to the movement of the muscles and the intentional thought processes to make each step in the sequence of walking can take weeks or months or even years. This should be done under the supervision of a physical therapist 
or similar professional. Practice falling can also be important. Because falling will most likely eventually happen, practicing falls with professionals in a safety environment can give the body an understanding of how to fall safely. Falls cannot necessarily be avoided, but they sometimes can be minimized with practice. It is important to practice or rehearse falling because falls can be disorienting or painful or both. The pain on top of the change in perspective by falling can, can add to the confusion in the situation. Think of the example of skiing and how important practicing falls with skis can be. Practicing falls on the bunny slope can help people fall safely when they're first learning to ski. Another example that is commonly used in society is defensive driving. In the course of defensive driving, people can learn to minimize and prepare for dangerous situations. For some people, defensive driving becomes a more automatic skill over the course of time. In this week's Rite of Passage Experiences, or rope, I am talking about defensive walking and different experiences I had as a kid. For me, walking defensively meant practicing looking up and ahead, then looking down at the ground, at my crutches and my feet, then looking left and right, and repeating the thoughts and steps. I was intentional about the thoughts and steps and tried to make sure that I stayed at the right angle to the ground. In other words, staying perpendicular meant I wasn't parallel or bouncing off the ground. For me, walking with crutches for over 40 years, it has become more automatic and instinctual sometimes. My arms and hands often notice slips or potential falls before my brain consciously does. I have fallen over a million times. I usually ended up with minor cuts or scrapes or just an overwhelming sense of embarrassment. A few times in my life I got stitches. I've also had a few mild concussions. None that were actually diagnosed though. I had a couple of friends at camp who used helmets because they often fell. But my parents discouraged the idea for me to have one. My parents never really talked about my brain damage either, or even acknowledged that it was there. But one of the earliest falls I remember happened when I was in second grade. Neighbors down the street were playing kickball. Because I couldn't run fast or coordinate a good kicking motion, I watched from the sidelines on the neighbor's driveway. During the game, a kid kicked the ball about five feet away from me on the grass. I ran over to the ball. Then I ended up on the ground screaming. Because of variables like speed, number, abstraction, and complexity, I didn't know what was happening. 
I had tripped in a hole in the grass that was occupied by a yellow jacket's nest. Dozens of them stung me while I was laying on the ground and I didn't understand what was happening. Within a few minutes, adult neighbors stood me up and were swatting the yellow jackets. They were also likely getting stung themselves as they carried me away from the nest. I don't remember I don't remember much after that, but I do remember being told that I wasn't allergic and being in the bathtub full of baking soda. The speed of the fall, number of stings, probably in the hundreds, along with the abstraction and complexity of the situation, still leaves me with a bad but also thankful buzz. This is because I got hurt, but I also got a lot of help from my neighbors by helping me be more human. Thank you for allowing me to be a voice inside your head. Please share this podcast with someone you know. Were there one or two specific things that you learned or liked? Would you mind joining and sharing it on the Cerebral Podcast Facebook group? You can listen to the show on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you to the listeners who support the show on the Cerebral Podcast Facebook group. I invite you to join the group. You can also email the show at thecerebralpodcast at gmail.com or send questions, comments, or ideas for the show. And remember, it takes effort to be vulnerable, be accountable, and be respectful in the way you treat others and yourself. You can be the biggest variable in your life when you take ownership. Now, take hold, engage in your world. You are now leaving the Cerebral Podcast. I never give up.